0: What is up, everyone? I am Charlie Shrem, and you are listening and watching another epic episode of Untold Stories, where together, twice a week, we get to dive deep with some of crypto's most influential leaders, uh, Bitcoin OGs, those who are building underground things that we don't hear about. I love the type of shows where uh, I get to show you guys some really cool things that are being built in our industry. You're like, wow, I didn't even know this existed. To truly understand like, how this movement came to be. We weave the uh, a whole nuanced narrative of of the people that I've met along the way, uh, teaching us both things, uh, and then we trade off of it. We 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 figure out how to like uh, make good trades, um, protect ourselves, earn yields, self sovereignty, maintain our own uh, keys, uh, understanding the differences between the spectrum of decentralization to be able to make the right decisions, to make the right choices, and feel comfortable that we're like doing this whole crypto thing the right way that's my job that's what i've been here for the past three years for the past 10 years helping you be been doing but on untold stories and it's my pleasure uh i'm really really excited to show you guys some of the really cool things that my guest carl jacob is building carl thank you so much for for coming on untold stories today
1: thank you happy to be here
0: yeah man there's a lot of cool there were you at um were you at bitcoin miami a few weeks ago
1: I was actually, and uh, spreading the, the, the stories about bacon.
0: Yeah, bacon coin, bacon protocol. Um, what did you think of the, of the event?
1: You know, I actually went to the conference, the main conference uh, last year. So this year, I skipped that and just stuck to the, the side things, uh, which was, I think, the right call. As you get to know more people, it's, uh, the important meetings are outside of the conference and rather than inside of the conference, as, as you probably know. So it's just great to talk to people and let them know about our progress, get feedback, and uh, you know, make some some networking and potential deals.
0: The uh, exhibit halls are usually like where you meet the coolest people, and that's where everything went down. Like I was thinking back about, um, oh, someone was showing me some. There was like some found footage. Vice, Vice, the uh, the company that they have like an HBO channel or whatever. Right. They they found. Uh, They unearthed footage of Bitcoin 2013 in San Jose, that conference. And because they had sent like uh, they'd sent one of their journalists there and he, you know, he was recording, he interviewed everyone. But then like a month after he got back, he actually quit Vice and started a crypto company. So the footage was never seen. And so just a few months ago, they called me over their office in Washington, D.C. They're like, Charlie, you got to see this stuff uh, with you and your girlfriend, who's now my wife, Courtney. He's like, 10 years later, you got to see this footage you guys were dating So it's like me, and then I'm like yelling across the room to Brian Armstrong, who's the only one running the Coinbase booth at the time, he's the CEO, and you got Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss wearing the BitInstant t-shirt in my booth over there. And then you had like all these different folks who are running the companies today. We were all in the exhibit hall. I don't even remember someone then, they showed me a video of my speech. and I remember my like chief of marketing said, Charlie, you gotta like prepare a speech. You can't just wing it. I said, No, I'm just so excited. Mm-hmm. I brought a t-shirt launcher with me. I was like launching Bit Instant T-shirts. Like that's those are the early Bitcoin conferences, crazy stuff.
1: I, I love it. I mean, that that's how this all starts. It's how the internet started, it's how a lot of the social media stuff started. P- people forget that there are those days when it's just a few people uh really on a dream and you know, making it happen. And Building things and making mistakes and failing and restarting and uh, and you end up uh, here where things seem to be getting quite a bit of traction.
0: It's interesting that that you, you, you and I'm actually excited to talk to you because you have this company, Lone Snap, that's that's very established, been around for a while. You guys have had multiple rounds of funding from from all the marquee names like Richard Branson's Virgin Group and and you have Greylock and Benchmark. You know, if you've watched the Uber show, you know Benchmark was the one who. Yeah, they like brought Uber from, the, from, the, from their seed, seed stage to where it is today, multi-billion dollar company. You've been around the block and you started this uh, really cool company and we were doing the research. You guys, I wish I had known this company existed a few years ago when I was looking for a mortgage, but you use like smart loan technology that uses AI to fully capture like a person's entire financial picture and then right. show them how they can benefit from a smart loan. But what's, and that's not even what I want to talk about. Like that's really cool. <laughs> but what's super cool is you took this technology and you launched this thing called called is it you call it bacon coin or bacon protocol?
1: Yeah. So bacon protocol is the core protocol and then then bacon is the governance token and Home is is the stable coin that we built. So yeah, we've got a lot of stuff going on on
0: what's going on here? Like start from the beginning.
1: Yeah. So so I think the beginning really was as you pointed out, we had a great mortgage company that was doing fantastic stuff in that area, closing loans in 24 hours, which is unheard of in in that space. And then we think about what does it look like? And and part of that was really figuring out, okay, could we actually close not just tens of thousands of loans a month, but hundreds of thousands? And the realization was, no. And that wasn't because of us. It was because the people buying the loans moved so slowly and were so strict and rigorous about what they were looking for. Uh, We like to say that no consumer woke up one morning and invented the 30 year mortgage you know that that's a banking government thing and that goes back to kind of the history of mortgage you know mortgage is effectively the underpinning of a lot of the economy there's thirteen trillion dollars of them in the world. three trillion dollars of those mortgages sit on the balance sheet for the federal government so they are used by these very large institutions to preserve and grow their wealth. We saw that and and recognized that that was a very powerful system that the mortgage industry didn't participate in. So effectively, we created a loan. Everybody in the space created a loan and then sold it to these other people who made all the money. And they made it in kind of an odd way. So they basically took money from people's savings accounts. You know, you put your money in a bank and they would give you 0.1% and they would lend that money out at 3%. And, and I think this is one of the great things about DeFi is we're flipping that system around and changing it so that the lion's share of the return goes to the people who actually invest the, the money. Um, I think that the, the key story there is one of my investors, and you mentioned, you mentioned Richard Branson and, and some others, uh, asked me a very interesting question. You know, it's, it's great that you're doing X number of loans per month, but what about a hundred thousand a month? And that was really what drove this is how do we get to a point where we can do loans in 24 hours and hundreds of thousands of them and really hopefully save billions for our customers, which is, which is our real goal. And that challenged us. And, and the context was, I said, well, that's impossible. And one of my investors said, well, I went to space. <laughs> and so that, that kind of <laughs> changes your frame of reference a little bit and, and, and makes you think it, it's possible. We're not there yet, but the systems are in place to do exactly that, to to ensure that we can save our customers billions of dollars. And along the way, help people around the world participate in this market that they were locked out of. And even if they could get into it, um, they were getting 0.1% when the banks were getting 3%.
0: I think I read in China that the real estate market is like a multi-double-digit percentage of their GDP. It's like 20 or 30% or something like that. So if there was like a a property crisis there. You're talking about like, you know, huge percentage of their whole gross domestic product. Of So, so this is definitely, I don't know what that number is in the U S but I assume it's also very high. Of course, we're more diversified, but the mortgage industry, you said three trillion, three trillion sits on the feds balance sheet. Uh, I don't know what the number is like of the total trillion in the U S. Um, but it's like, it's not only a big part of, of a person's financial planning. You have a 30 year mortgage or a 15 year mortgage. You, Kind of plan your whole next three decades around that. You talk about, okay, let me figure out how I'm gonna pay it back. So when I turn 60, I could refinance and live off the retirement and then pass that down to my children. Like a property in other places of the world is something that people never sell. But I like going through that process myself, it doesn't make sense to me that in in the rates of today, we're historically low rates, right? So the average rate is still between five and six percent. That's a really good yield. Uh, for whoever is making that, it doesn't make sense to me that banks and financial institutions where we're making it where the other side of the retail is only earning less than one and we think it's tied to a fed reserve rate. but really there's a huge gap that, right. that there's middlemen making money there. And what you've done is you've like removed so many of that middlemen and took taken that yield and kind of given it back to be homeholders.
1: Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And, and be home holders around the world who, who wouldn't so even cool. have access to the U.S. mortgage. It, uh, it, you just reminded me of a story. There's a scene in one of the Star Wars movies where they're trying to get through a door and the, the Jedi master takes his lightsaber and stabs it right through the steel door, through the center of it. That's effectively w- what we've done. And that's a lot of steel, I got to say. There, there is, or whatever those things are made of. Um, it really makes you realize that those layers were incredibly hard. To, to break through. And it it realistically took someone who could create a mortgage very, very quickly and had all the, the technology and the real-time data about that mortgage, that we could put it up on the blockchain and allow, effectively, a, a large pool of cash um, to purchase that mortgage in, in, in seconds, which in the mortgage industry, even making it, once you make it, you still have to sell it to somebody else because mortgage companies don't have the cash to be able to, to buy the mortgages themselves. And that, that's what a bank is. It's basically... Or, or an insurance company. Insurance companies do the same thing. They basically stockpile cash from these policies and turn right around and, and buy billions of dollars of mortgages that they balance sheet, which gives them an ongoing cash. flow. This is the, the concept that I think people forget or miss about why banks are so powerful and almost um, immortal right? At the end of the day, look at, look at Wells Fargo. So they balance sheet about $275 billion worth of mortgages. That means every year, roughly, they have $8 billion of cash flow from that mortgage portfolio. Everybody at Wells could quit tomorrow and that money would still keep coming in. That's a tough institution to slow down. And then you realize the fact that they could lend that money out at 10 times leverage, um, and that's mandated by the government, and you, you've got a, a entity that is very difficult to build something that competes with that. But, but we think we're there.
0: One of the reasons that like there's such a gap between where the rates are and then what the rates you and I get is because there's that like in between eight billion dollars, and you end up paying so much money in interest. So much, so much of our of our of our uh, um, of our payment goes to that. And before I get into like. The benefits and how to compete on rates. If someone went to baconcoin right right now.com, what, what are they looking at?
1: Yeah, so today they're looking at at two things. The first thing that they're seeing is the ability to basically take USDC and get B-Home back. So effectively B home is a token, a coin, and that coin is wrapped uh, around a pool of mortgages that are actually originated to the federal government standards, to Fannie Mae standards. So we we've stuck with kind of the quote, old school way of thinking about mortgage. We're not trying to change that piece. And there's two great things about that. The first thing that happens is that you recognize that that pool of mortgages is visible. It's transparent. So unlike a lot of other stable coins where you have to guess what is underneath it, this is, we list the homes on the blockchain. And we actually, the way the process works is when a borrower comes to us on the other side, we actually take a lien on their home and then mint an NFT. So we actually publish that NFT on the blockchain and say, here's the lien that we put on the home. Here's the address of the home. And that's the same information that we register with the county. So there's a link between kind of the real world and the blockchain world. And then you can imagine hundreds for thousands of those. And the lien is a dollar amount, as you know, from your mortgage. Let's call it $50,000. And that lien, dollar for dollar, backs the coin. So the stability isn't against a dollar bill in a bank account. The stability is against a home and a lien on a home, a physical asset. The next thing is that we uh, collect the cash from the borrower when they're paying the money back. So as you make your payments, today that money flows through a banking system and they've got buildings and employees and a whole bunch sure. of other stuff. In our system, that flows into an automated system that then takes that payment and distributes it out back to the be home coin holders. So the core asset is generating cash flow for you, which is quite a bit different than the other systems that that are out there that are getting cash flow from from other, other means. The actual core asset in those cases, effectively just trying to pin to the dollar. This system is actually pinned to something we think that's much more stable and more valuable. And you get the cash flow, which is a good hedge against inflation and a core return, that I think is what people are looking for when they're looking for what I would call a relatively safe investment.
0: You're, uh, what are the rates now? What's the current APY?
1: So the current APY is a combination of, of two APYs. So it's the core portfolio throws off about 3 to 5%. Of course, that's increasing in this environment. Wow. Um, and then the APY is about 49% as of today. That That's real time because that's tied to the rewards that you get from the, the other side of this. So once you buy your B home and, and, and you now you're a proud B home owner and you're getting that cash flow on a monthly basis. The next is you can stake that B home. And if you stake that B home, then we are generating, uh, bacon rewards, the governance token. So you generate those rewards. And of course those are tradable, uh, out on the other dexes, uh, the decentralized exchanges. And so that APY is about 49% as of today, but, but that's, you know, wildly fluctuates as you you know often see. So I, I think you rely on the three to 5% and the, the other stuff is the the icing on the cake
0: so you have this protocol, and there's this there's a stablecoin be home and it doesn't it doesn't change from from a dollar basically
1: that that's correct you know okay. we're 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 one of those uh companies that, that as I've mentioned before you know we a lot is moving around but the, the it's yeah. dollar for dollar stable against the liens. The one thing we did do that is going to change um and this is actually hearing it first, <laughs> so, so new cool. breaking news um so we're actually gonna what we did before was we flowed the cash flow back into the price of the coin we thought that was really smart because we're going to save people on gas fees and all that but oddly enough a stable coin that goes from a dollar to a dollar six is considered not a great thing uh and so we're going to peg that straight to a dollar and then the rewards will flow through through a different system that we're we're excited about so effectively the idea is we'll, we'll Basically, go back to what the other stable coins do, which is dollar for dollar stable. In our case, against the liens on homes, and then the cash flow will come in the form uh, of, a, of another of a reward, effectively, like you see on other sites.
0: I mean, this is you've decentralized and de-risked, and just basically like have taken risk. You've taken all the uh, different pieces of the loan mortgage origination process and you've like broken them down into like Lego pieces or puzzle pieces and you allow each one to kind of like operate still in like a vertical integration where they're all connected and incentivized but trying to think of like you've you've retailed in what institutional capital does in the mortgage industry and that is making the best yields
1: yeah exactly and and then handing that yield back to the customer, not keeping it for ourselves, <laughs> which is the the key. And I, I think you know there have been some attempts at this before that are very centralized. You have people who built their own blockchains and their institutions sure. focused. I come from a community internet based background. Like like my thing is how do you basically build from scratch? I, I did a couple of companies. One of them was in you know the peer to peer space around you know kind of sharing what you know, versus, um, you know, eBay, you know, where you share what you have. And I learned a, re- a couple of really important lessons, which is, at the end of the day, participation in the ecosystem is the win. And if you go into it thinking you're going to own the ecosystem, you are going to get killed. And I remember mm-hmm. AOL, right, trying to swim up that stream and saying they were going to own the internet and the internet rolled over the top of them like, like they weren't even there, right? And so when we started this project, we realized we couldn't do it alone and that we were going to have to get involved in the community and provide a lot of value and hopefully get a lot of value back. So if you look at the system, it's actually not only have we rebuilt from the ground up the infrastructure for, for mortgage, we've allowed other people to participate in that. So if you're an originator, which is what we do at the Loan Snap site, you can come to us and you can sell your loans to us. If you're a servicer, you can come in and help service loans, which is basically collecting payments and distributing them on the blockchain. And that's the second big benefit of BeHome as a stablecoin, it's distributed. You think a lot of these stable coins and they're like, they're like, oh, great, we have it audited. And you realize that all that money is sitting at a bank account somewhere at one single bank or maybe two single banks, whereas this is going to be distributed across a whole bunch of originators, a whole bunch of servicers. And a whole bunch of investors, in this case, consumers, who just hold BeHome in their wallets. So you have
0: consumers who can hold BeHome in their wallet. And, and they're, what they're doing is providing liquidity to you guys to potentially uh, get more liens on more properties and distribute that cash flow. And and at the same time, you have originators, which right now is just you. You're saying that right. the protocol is open where anyone could, I could essentially take my properties, uh, if there's a, a technical and legal Mechanism to take my properties and 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 put them into the protocol, I could benefit from all the same type of that same ecosystem, other people can start earning cash flow i can start and then will I get a like origination percentage
1: yep you'll get a piece really? exactly that yeah exactly and that that was. You know, that's tough it's uh, kind of one of the lessons I've you're learned you a cre-
0: whole new industry here you're reinventing the wheel well, <laughs> I, I
1: I hope um, you know but I, I you learned pretty early that, that creating your own competition is actually a positive thing <laughs> not, not a negative thing and and, and you're, you're right it, it is um, has the potential to, to recreate the mortgage industry as we know it and and we're really excited about that to benefit the consumer because once you unlock that potential, which you just said was really important, right, is the potential of doing that, the potential of having these different types of loans, having these different types of products. Uh, we have a new product called Art Lock, which is effectively like a HELOC, which is a, a home equity line of credit, sure. with all the bad stuff taken out. So the bad things about a HELOC, the good thing about a HELOC is you can do it over your existing loan. The bad thing is it's an arm, it's an adjustable rate mortgage, and we all know those are very scary. Uh, and Uh, once you pull it down, you can't pay it back. It's, it's over. You pull it down and then pay it back and you're done. This is a brand new type of loan. So it's a line of credit against your house, except it's a fixed rate line and it's infinite in duration and you can pay it back and pull it down all you want. So we could have never done that before. No one in the mortgage industry would have purchased that loan ever. Like it just, they don't think that way. Um, and that's the nice thing about the community we have and, and the Discord, they, they do, right? And they're excited yeah. about providing value to homeowners and getting a fair return, right? And, and not policing the public, which is where we've, we've been before.
0: One of the ways that our industry stands on its own two feet, like you said, like, so we can get that Wells Fargo effect. So we could be a multi-trillion right. dollar industry and, and doing our own cash. We had like ten, like a million of what you do Securitizing everything from homes to to potential patents to maybe liens on lawsuits, things like that. Like you could securitize everything because I want to like zoom out a little bit here. When you go to like centralized DeFi, like Nexo, Voyager, um, Celsius, um, all these places, and you're getting yield anywhere from three to ten percent on your Bitcoin and stablecoins, these companies or the stablecoins themselves actually have to take your money, sell it for dollars. And then right. buy commercial paper, like traditional commercial paper. Yeah, yeah. Have to and, put and it they in have banks. teams of
1: people that do that. Yeah. Exactly. And they're
0: only getting a certain amount of yield. So, therefore, we're only getting a certain amount of yield. And we're still right. giving money to what we call, like you said, the rent seekers, those who are not in our industry, who are benefiting from us. But right. if, if UST, USDC, Tether start to back their stable coins by Beehome, the yields are going to go up. Our industry will go up, and we'll start to finally break free of the Bitcoin and crypto and the Nasdaq correlation. That's when we break right. free from institution. Is that
1: what you kind of 100%. see too? And, and, and I think that's a that's a great insight. And use their own tools against them. Right. That's the thing. Is here's the 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 fear that I've heard a little bit in the crypto world is oh we we don't do that. In fact, I was talking to somebody the other day. and said, "Well, real world stuff hurts my head." I'm like. Maybe so. But there's $13 trillion of those out there. And governments and financial institutions and wealthy people have been using this tool against everybody else for many, many years, making tons of money and giving very little of it away to to the people who provide the cash. And that, to me, is a mistake. I think when you're building something new, just like the internet was, it's important to leverage the existing infrastructure and uh, technologies, and, and honestly, so to speak, tricks, right, in order to provide value. And so what I what I worry about is exactly what you said. You have all these stable coins who have treasury management groups that are same treasury management groups that exist in big corporations with all the issues that you have with those and the trust you have to have in them to manage your money where this is a direct relationship. You get to go on the blockchain. You can see the houses that back the coin. You can see the cash flows that are coming from them it goes into your wallet and and you can actually see the specifications of the loans that go into the pool and and that to me is one of the, the the really important things is if you think about these other stable coins no one has any idea what the assets are backing those stable coins there's a little bit of like well it's treasures. there's stored. auditing
0: yeah there's some yeah, auditing and, and stuff and but and
1: that can be fuzzy we, we know how here. that goes <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that's uh, that's uh yeah, yeah, we, know that, uh, that, that, that we
0: don't know what accounting holes those go down. the more the more we can get on the blockchain, the better. and I was going to ask you like what benefits the blockchain provides? Obviously, it's kind of not, it's like you just answered one of them, but like if there were just databases, right, and as we weren't blockchains where they were distributed computationally across everywhere. And and there was federated mechanisms for having to process. If this didn't exist and you just, you know, did this on public databases, if your company would have disappeared, the whole thing would have disappeared too, right?
1: Right, right. And, and we tried, you know, we started this project over three years ago when, when DeFi was really, really early. And, and we built a couple systems and that one of our investors, two of our investors asked that very question, why just build this on Stripe? And so... Uh, we did the math, we did the work to see what it would actually cost. And then we recognized the real value of the blockchain, right? Is that that would be incredibly expensive at a couple hundred thousand people who own Beehome. At millions, there's just no way. I mean, just technologically not possible, a huge burden on the company. And that's when we went down the DeFi rabbit hole and, and recognized that if we participated in this ecosystem and provided value, not only were we leveraging the blockchain technology, but we we were leveraging the community that had been created around it. So as an example of that, that's why we chose to wrap NFTs around the lean. And here's here's the crazy thing about that. It 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 seems like, okay, a no-brainer. And but some people are like, well, why would you do that? Well, because that NFT around that lean has value everywhere on the blockchain. So the idea is that if you trust the person who wrapped that lien with an NFT and you trust them to keep those in sync, you can lend against that and you don't have to be loan snap or even an originator. You can take that NFT other places and, and get a loan against it. And, and that's the value, one of the pieces of value we're trying to provide to the chain, right? Is hey, here's this asset class oh, so that's cool. been rolling around for a long time. And a lot of people are trying to tokenize the real estate itself. And I, there's a lot of arguments about why that is probably a, a bad idea financially. Because you got to create an LLC and it's complicated. This is a super simple document that any county in the United States knows how to process. A lien on a home, and the the first step of the process. Because I I know you and your listeners get into this kind of stuff. We hide this a little bit because it's you know we don't want people to have to deal with the complexity. But when you come to us and you do one of these loans, um, all of that is hidden from the consumer. There's nothing about the blockchain. That pokes through to that consumer experience, and underneath the covers, when we take that lean out, we actually exchange that lean for BeeHome in on the back end. So, so think about that. There, here is a for the first time ever, you're taking a lean out on your house, and you can directly get a cryptocurrency back from it. Now, on our side, what we're doing is then lending against that BeeHome, and there's a lot of you know, machinations that that happen. But I, I envision a future where where people like yourself you know will have homes that they own and be able yeah. to exchange that lien for for Beham, which is effectively a hedge against the US market. So now you're taking one home and taking out a lien and you're getting back a coin that is backed by a pool of mortgages across the United States. I mean just from a core investing theory perspective, distributed risk is is a lot better than single point risk.
0: If I could take all my properties and put them on on a blockchain and and get a, a- Guaranteed like credit line against that at very good rates that beat out the consumer price index or inflation quote unquote. I wouldn't hold cash at all. What would be the point? Yeah, I'm sitting here Yay, with cash go, trying to. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm sitting here with cash trying to find yields, chasing that yield. I got to like, get a T-shirt. It's chasing the yield. You're yeah. chasing the yield all the time with cash. Where you buy a property, then you can ride. You know, you could ride the world, but at the same time getting the property is almost impossible now. Oh my God. It's like, even if you own your own business, independently wealthy, it's almost impossible to get a house nowadays. Um, that's what they're building multifamilies. I read the statistic this morning there, the rate of, of multifamily property, uh, being built are just like going up by leaps and bounds and single family are kind of like slowing down a little bit because people can't afford single family homes anymore. they have to that's builders right. are building multi-properties, 1000, 2000 square feet. um, I want to add. Well, so, so
1: just, yeah. okay, can I just because that's a really important point. Um, the problem is those projects can't get funded, and that's the really crazy thing. And so we're actually working with a couple of these groups who are particularly working in neighborhoods that are you know not that great. The economies have had trouble, and you know they had a lot of issues around foreclosures and things like that. So they're building multifamily. And we are going to create a coin for them that is solely for backing that particular multifamily project. That's so cool. So imagine being able to buy a coin that not only distributes your risk, but also supports the community that you, you live in and other people financing their homes.
0: Yeah. I mean, if there was this mechanism right now, I would use that to like build affordable housing where I live because the mechanism to do it would be easy. And then the risk is not always on me. So, like right. I imagine and, and that's
1: exactly what's going on. That, that that's exactly what those projects are doing is building affordable housing using financing vehicles that are effectively the people who are most impacted by the by the buildings being created and the home values increasing in the area.
0: We've talked about like smart cities and that. And that's exactly where this kind of falls in. Like if we have these web three smart cities, this is the perfect plug and play. And imagine if like integrated into the protocol, if my city had the ability and it's not hard technically to like collect property taxes directly from the NFT themselves to fund the dude. You're talking about overhead would go away. These cities would need 10 people to run themselves. We'd be living right. in a much more. And so, but, but put that to the side for a second. One <laughs> of the reasons I got into Bitcoin and, 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 and crypto is that I loved, I grew up like a geeky nerdy type of kid and people always like take the first impression of you, they judge you and you have to like come out of that hole. Right? Like, and, and, and now I'm, I'm, I'm a middle-class white kid. So imagine what if it was like, if I grew up in a minority group or whatever, it would be that much harder. But at the same time, what I love about this, it's almost like removing the who, and it's rather, it's like this, it's more of the what. But there's a reason we, I hate to use the word profile, but we originate loans and reason that your job is difficult because you have to check what is the person's ability to actually repay that loan. Is that going to go away as part of the risk? Will you not care who exactly is the owner of the property and their ability to pay it back? Because now that the mechanism for like defaulting go, you see what I'm saying? It like, like my brother just bought a house. He spent a month on the origination, just like, oh my God. Like, and I wanted to help him with his down payment. So then they went into my bank statements and then they're asking me to prove my job. It's like tentacles. They almost gave up and he owns his own business. Like, does that go away?
1: It it does. It does. And I I think there's a lot to unpack there. I think the first thing that I've learned and I think, you know, is part of our core values at Loan Snap and at, at Bacon is that once you remove the tools of discrimination, you make discrimination not difficult, impossible. And, and so, like you said, like a lot of this is about ability to repay. That's an incredibly low bar. Like, like if you look at the actual ability, there's, there are laws around this, right? And ability to repay is an incredibly low bar that most people pass. But I'll give you an example for this group of future cities. You know, income is 30 to $35,000 a year and the credit score is 680 plus. That's a great potential borrower. However, the current system has so much overhead, they can't lend money to that person and make money. That's the ah. real truth. So, so the real truth is they're so inefficient that they can't make money at that level. We can. And that's the awesome power of the blockchain is, is bringing affordable housing to people because mechanically we can and and still have a business, right, and afford to to, to do so. So I do think that'll go away but some in some ways not for the reasons people think like and and that's the other there's so many lies in in this industry but one of them is that they care about the borrower's ability to repay look they've got to lean on a physical asset that is worth a certain thing. amount of money. exactly <laughs> you know they everybody looks at 2008 like oh those poor banks look at all the suffering oh really right i mean they were sitting on a pile of assets that turned out to be so valuable over the next five years. It was ridiculous. And look at it now. The federal government was buying mortgages hand over fist during the crisis as fast as they possibly could. Why? Well, everybody has the answer to that now. <laughs> right? that's, a, that's a lot of money. And so I, I think that the idea that, that ability to repay and you know, background and, and, and a lot of that stuff Matters as much as it does is is going to fade. I think the other thing is as we broaden the investor base, that changes. You know, when you're an insurance company and you balance sheet ten billion dollars worth of loans, your bar for the quality of those loans is incredibly high. And I mean by quality, they just don't want to think about it. They have a big spreadsheet of these things and a team of people who analyze them. They just want it to give them the cash flow, and they're they drive this because they've got the money. Well. Now we're in the driver's seat and the driver's seat are DeFi wallets all around the world who have a different set of ideals and a different set of requirements for what they want. They want three to 5% tied to a lien on a home and may, maybe they care about the borrower. I, I kind of doubt it. You know, I, I think they care about the cash flow that comes back and that the Dow is managing it in an ethical and you know, business positive way. And, and part of that is treating borrowers a little bit differently than, than we do today. For instance, I, I think foreclosure as a concept will eventually go away, because I think what you'll end up with are these workout plans built into mortgage. If you don't do a mortgage, maybe the lien increases in, in size. You know, maybe you miss five payments and you roll those five payments together and you take a $50,000 lien to a $55,000. I think that's a better approach then kicking somebody out of their home, selling it, and then collecting all of the upside that the borrower would have normally gotten.
0: Well, also foreclosure is just, I don't know what states, what other states are like. I know Florida has a quick deed system, but like right. I invested a few years ago into into a small fund that, that invested into into New York like horse farms and stuff like that. Don't ask me why. I, I grew just, up on a
1: ranch, so I I, I feel you
0: on that. <laughs> I need to, I need to stay in my lane more, but I like to just experiment and fail. But uh, speaking of failure, what did, what am I learning now? It was pre COVID. Guy, the company defaulted, and right. two years still in the the foreclosure. Two years later, there are no other creditors. It's just a a frivolous like. A guy, it's so easy to just like appeal and to throw like, oh, my mother died, so he threw the birth certificate to the judge. To the judge, that's just six months. The judge is busy right now. It's just like this system is 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 messed up.
1: Yeah, well, hundred percent. And foreclosure is bad for everybody. It's bad for you, but yeah, everyone. Yeah, the untold story is 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 of Detroit. Or I went to USC and I didn't get on-campus housing, so I lived in Watts for two years. The untold story there is is really foreclosure crushes a neighborhood, absolutely crushes it, because not only does it destroy value of the homes in the nearby area, you have empty lots and empty lots scare people. And, you know, you come in to buy a house and you see a dilapidated old house with a chain-link fence around it. That's not really a neighborhood anybody gets excited about.
0: So this, this is the difference here, and we're getting to the root of it. In the traditional industry, you get bank-originating loan. And then if something happens, it goes back to bank. Bank has to foreclose, has to then go resell the. Pro- Banks are not in the business of being real estate. I'm surprised a bank hasn't like okay. bought out a real estate office to save on these fees. I'm sure they have. But the difference here is that originator creates creates the loan, goes on chain. But then if there's a foreclosure issue or like there's like three months of non-payment or whatever the protocol has it built in, essentially it goes back to people who actually want it.
1: That's, that's right. That's right. And, that's and I difference. think, yeah, 100%. That's the aha, exactly. And um, it also gets back to the core of the value to the investors. And in this case, the holders of Be home, what do they really care about? Well, I mean, sure, they care about the human beings, but from their portfolio, they care about the cash flow. And so, how do you preserve that cash flow? Well, you don't preserve that cash flow by foreclosing on the house and selling it and putting the cash back into the system. To have to go buy more loans. You do that by using technology and you know, a lot of these systems in order to preserve that cash flow and that borrower for the long term. And that probably means a short term, quote, sacrifice. And so the system, the way it works today is you get into trouble. You usually don't know you're in trouble. That's one of the things that we see in, in our system is people just don't know they're not going to be able to make their payments in 90 days. Then they default. Um, and then, of course, the foreclosure process, as you pointed out, which is painful, gets gets started. When they do that, they go to the debt consolidators who take even more of their money up front to fix the problem and then charge them over time to make the same payments they could have made before. What we're envisioning is a world where the originators and servicers are incentivized to work that stuff out early in the process so that that borrower who basically would have you know, had to move out of their house and would not be paying their bills are kept in the house and able to pay their bills over time. And when things get better, they can, they can pay the lean down. That that to me seems like a better situation than foreclosing on a bunch of houses like they did in downtown Detroit and effectively destroying those neighborhoods and the property values at the same time.
0: It's a stupid question, but like what happened in those situations? So like no, no more, no company. Like if you go to a mortgage company now, if you have a million dollar house, they're not going to give you more than like $300,000. So if you can't pay that $300,000 over 90 days, isn't, can't the, the person just sell their house and repay what's, what's owed? Like, how is it that people lose their whole house in that scenario?
1: Yeah, so in, in that scenario, and obviously that's a high-end house, um, you know, our average is around 350, I think. Okay. Um, but yeah, th- that scenario is, is, is a tough one, right? So what, what happens effectively is because foreclosures are so difficult and painful, they start, the, the companies usually start the process early, as fast as they can. Because if they think a borrower is going to go south on them, they're going to start early because they know it's like you said, two years and, and it's a real battle. Um, the the other is, it's the only tool that they have. Right? They're, they're these big companies. Yeah, I mean, there's a spreadsheet sitting in front of someone and and the, all they're looking at is the, the red flashing signal that says, Hey, these 5 loans are going south, we need to do something about them to hand them to the foreclosure department. Versus, hey, how do we work this out and preserve the cash flow in, in the long run? And it's just a, a misalignment, right? I mean, I think that if you went and talked to the investors in those mortgages, the people who bought them, they would say, hey, I love this. I want to keep the cash flow. Don't foreclose on the property. You know, figure out a way to work it out if you can. And, and that's what I think we're offering both for consumers, which is a benefit, and for investors. And that's, I think, one of the big problems with the current financial system. The misalignment of yeah. the individual with the goals of the corporation, But they're completely misaligned. Look at credit cards. They are just designed to take money from consumers. There's no net benefit for a consumer, particularly to 17% interest rate. Trying to close all my and, credit cards
0: is ridiculous yeah, already. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, that a lot of what we do on the loan snap side of things is analyze their, their credit cards and, and say, Hey, you're losing, you know, a thousand dollars a month to credit card interest. And people think we're lying to them. They, they think we're mistaken. I'm like, well, here's the, the, the data, they just don't have any idea that not paying that credit card off month every month is actually costing them money, just like it would cost money if they were you know, buying 20 extra lattes a day.
0: What, so in those situations, like in Detroit in 2008, most people were, they were underwater because that what they owed was more than either the equity they had or the value of the house. And therefore, is that kind of the situations that happened back then?
1: Yeah, 2008 is such a, we could do a it's whole scary. series on it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really scary. The The, the real... Culprit in that was the credit default swaps that, oddly enough, were based on pools of mortgages. But those pools of mortgages were graded by an indep- a quote, independent rating agency who rated a whole pool of mortgages as AAA when, in fact, there was C and D stuff in there. And the credit default swaps, of course, these leverage instruments that were built on top of it collapsed when people realized that that, that wasn't the case. However, you're right. In 2008, because of that unwinding, you had property values plummeting. People's houses got foreclosed on. Once one went down, then a bunch of others went down. Everybody's home value went down. Um, and then, of course, the ride was over. And you had a lot of people looking at their financial statements and realizing that you know what they were paying on their mortgage was way too high, right? That the value of the house had gone down so much that they were never going to recoup that money that they were paying oh, in.
0: Oh, yeah, because the interest rates were really high back then too.
1: Right, so so you could make the argument that that was a relatively sound financial decision, other than you know the foreclosure on your record, which which is another. I think it's a seven year term, that people will look at it and they won't touch you for a whole. So is there a business a model
0: here in buying up like pre pre-for, pre foreclosure properties? Well, again, they wouldn't really get to that foreclosure if like there wasn't much equity left, and if there isn't, then it's not may not be worth it because there's like. But I'm talking about like you can do cool things here, like you could. A lot of people want to create like monthly payments for their property taxes, right? Like if this big property tax payment, if you don't have a mortgage, you got to pay this big once a year payment. You could do cool things like NFT that, you know, NFT debt to create monthly payments for that. And then I'd pay someone, I'd pay 2% if I could monthly, monthly cash flow my property taxes. That's value to me right there. It's like really cool stuff you can do. 100%.
1: Hundred percent. I mean, I am hopeful that as we build out this ecosystem, a lot of people will come with ideas like that that'll make this. And we already have people paying their mortgages in crypto. We we list literally just you know have a smart contract that pulls the money out of their wallet every month automatically. Uh, we could stream that. You know, you could you could pay your mortgage daily if you wanted to. That's cool. Uh, you could pay it every other week. Yeah, and so. I'm excited at where we are. I'm more excited about where we're going to be and the things that are going to get built on top of this infrastructure. Now that it's transparent, now that it's distributed, and now that people have the ability to participate in that ecosystem, both on the investor side and the contributor side, you know, all these people that were kind of firewalled off from each other can now collaborate and kind of the building blocks that you mentioned, we can now put them together in different ways and create new products. It, as an example of that, imagine that somebody looks at your financial situation and says, well, actually, we should refinance your car loan, your student loan, that personal loan, your credit cards, all at the same time and put you on a much better financial track versus today we have to go to you know, five different companies to accomplish that and none of them talk to each other. And oh, by the way, that car loan that you have prevents you from refinancing your house until you get that done. So there's actually a process yeah. that you have to go through to get there.
0: That's so cool. It's so crazy. Um I want to I want to understand like what is the actual legal mechanism of turning a property into an NFT and can that be like done with any type of asset?
1: Yeah, so there there is a core argument that's going on right now, argument discussion Um, so there's kind of a group of people that are like, well, we're going to wrap NFTs around everything in the real world. And and I, I think we're, we will get there, right? That is coming. Currently, a lot of that is you wrap an NFT around an LLC that actually owns whatever the piece of property is. And anybody who knows LLC law knows that that is very complicated. And if things go south, I'm not sure of your situation, if that was an LLC, because you know, it's difficult, right? Because you've got a lot of different people arguing. There's a lot of structure. There's a lot of laws around LLCs. But I, I do think we'll get there. We, we took a different approach. Um, and we took it for two reasons. You know, one is that if you look at a lot of the regulations around, it is basically uh, core to that regulation. that if you take an asset and you split it up into little pieces, that's a security. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the things the SEC does. Yeah. That's, 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 not a, that's a pretty straight line what we did was stay away from all of that and say, well, we're going to wrap an NFT around a lien and and a lien, you know, it isn't the property and it isn't, you know, something that um, is a new construction. There's no LLC involved. There's no arbitrary owner group or anything like that. You know, the NFT wraps something that we do today and every mortgage company does today. And, and we think that might be a better direction for, particular assets. Do I really care or want to care about the maintenance of that? So there's a good example. In the LLC world and wrapping the NFT around the whole thing, if we have to do maintenance on, I think there was a house in Aspen, what does that mean? Does that mean that that maintenance burden gets shared amongst all the LLC holders? And what if somebody says, no, I just, I don't want to do that. Whereas a lien just says, hey, we have a right to a certain amount of value against that house. And as you pointed out, that's usually quite a bit lower than the value of the house. And then we ask the owner, and there's insurance around this, to be responsible for that. So, so they have to maintain the quality of the house. They can't you know, burn it down or you know, remodel it. You know, a servicing it and, and company,
0: essentially, like a maintenance and servicing company that gets a piece of the percentage. The cool thing about it is that the smart contract travels with the NFT.
1: So the that's originator
0: right. is always going to get his percentage. If I take my NFT and I go to Nexo or Voyager and, and Voyager offers me 7%, you know, or a better rate or whatever it is, I'm going to take that there. But you originated that right. loan and this guy right. services that. So everyone, that's the beauty. I was like, I keep trying to explain to you like NFT are just like smart contracts, but they're like pieces of code that can travel. From chain right. to chain, or whatever you right. want to call well, it. Well, here, here's on what will really blow your
1: mind, and and we're already seeing the benefit of that. So we have some very smart people in our Discord, and and one of the things they do is they they watch the interest rate on the page for the loans we give out, right? So they're 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 uh, they're not watching the Fed rate, they're watching what they call the bacon rate, <laughs> and they want to see when the bacon rate goes low. Is there a website? And then do their uh, yeah baconcoin.com.
0: But they wait. What do they want to do when that happens? Sorry.
1: So what do they? What, basically, what they do is they are hunting for when money, you know, goes into the system. The rate comes down as more money goes into the system because we've got more money, so we lend it out at, at a cheaper rate, right? Uh, and so they 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 watch and look for liquidity to go in, and when the rate drops, um, and they're watching this on the chain. We don't publish this on the on the website. Um, so these are deep, deep crypto people. Um, then something interesting happens. So we we thought, well, oh, okay, that that's great we had one guy who got into the process and came to us about midway through the process and said, Hey, I saw the rate went down. I want to refinance. Now, normally any bank or originator would say, absolutely not. Of course, what did we do? We said, absolutely. Cause we have an NFT wrapped around the lien. We just blew that NFT up and created a new one yeah. with the new lien and then a loan against it. And, and we were done. It, and that's when your example Let's say Nexo does that, and rather than going through a whole refinance process, you basically just bl- blow up the one NFT, you know, you know um, and then turn around and recreate a new one with Nexo at a different rate. And, and I think that's, that's the power, separating the lien from the loan. That's one of the things that we didn't talk about earlier that, yeah. that's key to the technology is before your mortgage and your lien are tied together. Like the minute you get a mortgage, you get a lien. In this case, they're separate entities. That means that lean, your power, the, the, the very first moment when you get your NFT for your home, it's a lean on, on the house that you own. Not that the bank owns, you actually own it as a person. And you can take that lean anywhere you want. And in the case of you know, another originator sniping out a loan, they, they, can, they can do that. They can say, well, look, we're willing to lend at 5% against that uh, NFT, whereas you've already got one at 6%. And that will be a button on the interface of your, your app that you make your payments on. It'll literally say, hey, so-and-so would like to refinance your loan. Click here to say yes, and your payment will go down to you know, $600 a month versus $700 a month. All without all the paperwork and crap that you do today in order to get a refinance.
0: What's the current like, rate that you guys are offering loans at now?
1: So right now is a like core loan. So the you know first is what we call them um, is is in the four to five percent range, wow. and then the smart locks, which is a a lean on top of the existing lien. So th- it allows you to keep that loan that you already have and hopefully that great rate that you got over the last couple of years, uh, and borrow more money, but that's at a higher higher rate. That'll be at about seven to eight percent rate, and and that's because it's a much more flexible product yeah. and usually a lot smaller, right? It's usually, you know, people borrowing between fifty dollars and $100,000 and they've already got a $300,000 lien on their home. Uh, and the benefit is that you're paying a much lower interest rate on the core amount of money you're borrowing. And the advantage for the product that we provided is that it's a fixed rate loan. So unlike any other line of credit product that you see out there, you pay that same amount every month for the term of the loan or until it's paid off.
0: I could see originators competing now and going to new communities and paying new owners to like open up these lines for them. It's like, Hey, you don't need to use it. It doesn't cost you anything. We'll pay you to open this line that you can always use or turn your house into an NFT for free or something like that. We'll pay you. Uh,
1: That's a great idea. I mean, I I think the, the idea that this is a safety line, right. And that you should probably, it'll, this helps me sleep at night
0: knowing that this is always an option for me. Like honestly,
1: right. And it, right and it's there and and uh, the great thing about that is you've taken something that can be a real burden for for someone or force them to go get another credit card which we both know is not not the greatest idea at 17% interest and it's like hey you've got $100,000 at 5% just sitting there. and in, and in fact i think that will be a credit card that'll be the new kind of credit card which is a credit card against your home that is flexible and at a fixed rate that will never change, which we all know is not something that you're going to see in the, in the market from the, from the banks and other financial institutions.
0: I would love to be able to do that. That's my next tackle is the, uh, the credit card industry. We'll figure it out. But I mean, oh man, that's, that's all the time we have today. Carl Jacob, thank you so much for taking the time and, and coming on Untold Stories. I didn't even realize how much time has gone.
1: Yeah, well, you're very welcome. Me either, actually, but it was well spent. I mean, this is fantastic to talk to somebody who knows about this stuff as, as, as much as you do, and it is open to the possibilities. I think that's what gets me really excited is, is not necessarily where we're at, today, which I'm excited about where we are today. We've already got about 26 homes that we've financed just through this starting from zero. Um, it, it's really what's possible.
0: I'm going to have my listeners, uh, if they're, if anyone's interested in getting in touch with Carl or with um, finding out more about the process, or if they're interested, you can go to baconcoin.com, but you can also email me my emails on untoldstories.com. Uh, you can email me and I'll vote it over and, and get you guys in touch. And this is so cool. Thanks. Thanks for taking the time and and, and teaching us today.
1: You bet. Well, thank you for having me. Take care.